Hello everyone and welcome back to the Ascent Cycling Podcast and once again we are back for another team preview ahead of the 2021 cycling season which is now well and truly underway with the first stage race in France well and truly finished with the Etoile de Bessege and the team we are going to talk about today is the Ineos Grenadiers, the British outfit of Geraint Thomas, Egan Bernal, Richard Carapaz and many more riders coming off a very decent 2020 I think we can say uh, quite a surprising year actually for um, for the British team with uh, their new name and their sponsor change throughout the season obviously coming from Ineos to Ineos Grenadiers. Joe what did you make of that 2020 season? The thing is with the Ineos Grenadiers is that their entire season really is based around the Grand Tours and especially the Tour de France and of course they were nowhere in the GEC at the Tour de France because Bernal wasn't there for one reason or another um, in the final week, abandoning the race early. So no matter how they did, seven stage wins at the Giro and of course the GC with Theo Gegenhardt, they did get a stage as well at the Tour with uh, Mikhail Kwiatkowski finally getting his first Grand Tour stage win. I, I couldn't believe it was his first Grand Tour stage win, a riser of his calibre, given up so much to be a domestique for this team. But like I said, nowhere in the GC at the Tour de France. So... It has to be said, not the best year in the world for the team, despite winning the Giro and all those stages. They've definitely had a better season, uh, especially, as you said, on uh, on the Tour de France. But still, they've managed to uh, still win a Grand Tour uh, with Theo Gigenhardt, which is probably not something uh, I thought I would say at the start of 2020. Uh, obviously, winning the Giro and Richard Carapaz, doing a very respectable uh, second position on Di Vuelta, but obviously the Tour de France being the main disappointment um, following Egan Bernal's um, tough performance. We'll see how he bounces back uh, in the upcoming season and maybe maybe a change of supporting cast in the Ineos Grenadiers team could provide some help if help is actually needed in that team. I'm not sure it really is, but they have of course acquired the new podium man from the Tour de France, Richie Port from Trek Sega Fredo, Adam Yates, Daniel Martinez, Lawrence Duplass and Thomas Pickock. Five just incredible signings for an incredibly strong team already. I mean, it's a very, very good positive transfer window, I would say, for the Ineos Grenadiers as a whole, bringing in some really talented riders and Richie Port as well. So, some great signings for the team, but they have seen Chris Froome leave the team to the Israel Startup Nation, which really, for me, shows this team is heading into a kind of new era. Chris Froome has been the face of the team throughout the past decade, winning four Tour de France, other Grand Tours as well, as we know. He has now moved on after struggling um, to come back from his injury at the Dauphiné. We've also seen Chris Lawless leave the team. Ian Stannard has retired. I think he has rheumatoid arthritis, which is, has forced him into retirement. We've also seen Kirianka and Christian Knaes leave the team as well. I'm going to put you on the spot right there. Is this the best transfer window we've had in 2021? It could be. It could be. It really could be. Because... We know Chris Froome, it's a big change for the team, for the dynamic of the team. He's gone, but he hasn't found his legs from pre-injury at the Dauphiné, that's clear. But every single one of these five riders is just is just pure class. Richie Port, I thought we'd seen the best of him, but he got a podium, his first podium at the Tour last season. 
Adam Yates is someone who really offers something different for me. He's a bit more punchy, good maybe on the classics compared to the Grand Tours, uh, comparatively to most of the Ineos squad. So I really think he can add something to the team as well. Daniel Martinez, really talented climber. Lawrence Duplass as well, won the Bink Bank Tour. So he is very versatile because he's also been in the big mountains at the Tour de France. And little Tom Pickcock coming from cyclocross. Who knows what this man can achieve in the world of cycling. It's just a, a, a brilliant transfer window, I'm sure. And I, I'm struggling actually to pick a name out of the five who I think is, is the best signing out of the lot. Uh, I mean, to be fair... I don't know. I think maybe on, on the long run, Thomas Peacock could be the best signing because he's the one with probably the biggest potential and, um, I mean, he's the youngest. Uh, but yeah, just each name here is a name that could be a leader in, in a team. And I remember in 2020 when they signed uh, Ron Dennis and Carapaz, I was like, wow, Ineos has, have done it again. Like, once again, they're signing a big name, then we didn't really expect them to do so. But this year, they just like, they really took it to heart, the fact that they lost the Tour de France, I think. You say Tom Pickock, do you, do you think he's the best signing then? If, you, if I had to push you, which one of these is the best signing? If you, could, if you could only sign one of these five guys from Enios, had to get rid of the rest, do you think it would be Pickock? On the long run, yes, but on, oh, you know, I don't know. I think Richie comes in uh, more of a teammate right now. He's got his Tour de France podium. I don't think he's ever going to go once again for GC, at least not with Enios. Uh, Dan Martinez, um, seeing him not as a GC leader. Lorenz de Plus, I could see him fit. Maybe like a Ketkowski or a Dylan van Barle, even though he's very talented. Uh, yeah, you know what? Thomas Peacock is a very interesting signing for Ineos. And he might not be the best right now, but I think he's the best signing. Yeah, he's not the best right now, but he's the best signing. It's difficult, isn't it? It's so difficult because... I would probably lean Pickcock as well, just because it seems he has the biggest upside. But Yates, Adam Yates has shown so much in the last year or two. I think he top 10 the tour and, and has done well in the classics. But a riser I'm really looking out for of the five is Lawrence Duplus. He's 25. He had a really bad year in 2020. Only started, I think, three or four race days and struggled with injury throughout. But... In the years before that, he was just fantastic. In 2019, he won the Bink Bank Tour, like I said, on the cobbles, which really shows his versatility because I, uh, I remember earlier that year, he was really helping out the Jumbo Visma guys at the Tour de France in the mountains. And I really, really rate this man. I think he could be a pretty special talent. And coming off a off-season... Um, for the Belgian, I really think he could surprise some people um, out of the five names that they've signed. But but yeah, every single one of these guys is just is just a class signing. When you say he could surprise people, what do you expect from him next year? Well, looking at his pro cycling stats, it seems he's set to ride the Ardennes and the Tour de France. I'm not sure what else he's set to ride. I don't expect him to lead the Tour de France, of course, this season. Um, I think he could be a Grand Tour leader in the future for sure in his own right, rather than being a domestique. I think that he has that in his locker. Um, I see him as a similar rider to perhaps Tom de Moulin, who is a bit of a power rider, great time trialist, clearly good on the cobbles. I think de Moulin finished on the podium at the Bink Bank Tour, or the Enneco Tour, as it was known a few years ago, um, like Laurence de Plus has. So I think he could be a, a very talented rider in a range of races. The Ardennes, Liège, Bastogne Liège, could be a race that suits him as well. Um, so I, I'm not sure what I can expect of him this season. 
I hope he's given the chance to lead the team in some races, though, and not act as a pure domestique, because I really think he has that in his locker. Interesting, interesting. I'm not really convinced he's a grand tour leader. I think, if he, in my opinion, he can't be a grand tour leader in this Ineos team. I, that's, that's, that's my mindset. But it's interesting to that, that you compare him with the Dumoulin, because I compare him more to a classic rider, uh, like potentially more of an Alaphilippe, more than a, than a Dumoulin right now. I mean, I don't think he has the same kind of punch as it, as Alaphilippe in terms of like pure acceleration and perhaps sprint as well. But I think he's more of a just an absolute powerhouse, and he's done well in time trials. He's done he's done well in so many different types of races, different stages. I'm not putting it against him that he can ride for for GC in a Grand Tour at some stage in his career. When you think of Ineos, you think of many riders, but there is one in particular, and that rider is a 24 year old Egan Bernal who joined. Team Sky in 2018 from Androni, and when he joined, we knew he was talented, but maybe some people underestimated him. In his first year, he finished top 15 of the Tour de France, and the year after that, sorry, he would win it, um, sure, to the great sadness of every French person on earth, beating both Thibaut Pinot and Julien Lafilippe on a certain stage uh, that I do not want to remember. But he moved into 2020 as the main favourite for the back-to-back on the Tour de France. And his year, his year started off somewhat decent, um, winning uh, on the Route d'Occitanie at the restart, uh, doing very well at the Tour de l'An as well, starting off the Dauphiné with some decent performance. I believe he got third in, in the uh, opening stage. But then he did not start stage four. People could have thought maybe he was to preserve himself for the Tour de France and... I mean, he, he had a, a very tough Tour de France, let's be honest. A couple of decent performances in the first two weeks, mainly uh, a fourth place in La Reims, the stage where Marc Hershey got uh, brought back by the two Slovenians on the line in a heartbreaking manner. But then, as soon as the road would go up, you would see that Bernal didn't have the legs of 2019, losing time, first of all, on the Grand Colombier. Uh, I believe more than, uh, than seven minutes to Pugachar, many being dropped that they buy a certain Wout van Aert, which we've covered in a previous podcast. And then uh, on the stage 17 between Grenoble and the Col de la Loz, Egan Banal would withdraw from the race uh, for a back pain due to, uh, I believe, um, a leg-related uh, problem. And he put an end to his season on that, uh, on that stage. Probably a disappointing year, but he is still 24, which is shocking. Uh, he's won the Tour de Suisse, he's won the Tour de France, he's won Paris-Nice, he's won many races, and he is not going to do the Tour de France this year. He will be aiming for the double Giro and Vuelta. Do we think Bernal has a chance at winning any of the Tour Grand Tours this year, Joe? Of course. Of course he does. He definitely has a chance. I'm not sure when he's going to be back to his best. I believe he has come out in the off-season and said... One leg was longer than the other, which was causing him pain in his back and preventing him really from performing how he did at the 2019 Tour, where of course he won the race. And I really like this decision from Bernal and, and Ineos. He's going to the Giro, he's going to live Welsa, not going back to the, the pressure cauldron of the Tour de France. There'll be so much speculation. Can he get back to his best? Can he win yellow again? But going to a fresh new race, the Giro and the Vuelta, I think it's a great decision. And for sure, he can win one of those races. I'm not sure whether he'll do the double, um, but he'll certainly start the Giro d'Italia as as one of the main favourites. But 
Ineos will, of course, have many options within their own team. So who knows? And we know how strong the Giro start list is this season. For those who've been watching uh, or listening to the podcast, you would know that both Joe and I have given our winner for the Giro. That means we don't really think that Bernal will win it. Sure, he can win it. He definitely has the legs. Do not get me wrong. But does that mean that if he wins the Grand Tour, does Bernal win the Vuelta then? Ah, it's difficult. It's really difficult. I mean, he will be a favourite for the Giro. There's no doubt about it. No matter his form coming into the race, I'm sure. We saw him at Bessege in the last few days. He, he looks okay. Of course, not really his terrain. Mostly flat and rolling hills. Not his terrain. Can't expect him to be winning there, of course. But he'll start the Giro as a main favourite. The Vuelta, I'm not sure it suits him as much as the Giro. It seems there's more shorter, steeper climbs at the Vuelta on average. Um, I'm not sure that suits Bernal quite as much as the Tour de France. But who knows? We haven't seen him really do many stages like this in his career. He's done more longer mountains at the Tour, which is where he's excelled uh, so far. But who knows? I mean, he'll definitely be a favourite for the Vuelta. Can he win either of the Grand Tours? Definitely. I'm not sure he will, though. Let's see. I want to see first him get back to his Tour de France winning level before saying, yes, this man can win the Giro, win the Vuelta. That is a very fair point. And I think we'll see more of his form in the upcoming days on the Tour de la Provence, which starts uh, this Thursday, I believe. Uh, where we'll have um, more of his um, preferred terrain compared to uh, the one of the Hotel de Bessege where he was just getting his legs back. He finished, uh, I believe, 65th or, or something along those lines um, and having a, a somewhat disappointing time trial, but I don't think he uh, did it at his best. Now, it, there appears to be some other riders in this Ineos team that are capable of winning a Grand Tour, one of them being the 25-year-old British rider Theo Gigenhardt, and if you had told me a British rider would have won a Grand Tour for Ineos last year, I probably would have said Garen Thomas ahead of Theo Gigenhardt. But what a, what a year, what a Giro for, for Theo, who obviously came in as a domestique for Garen Thomas, and then following the departure of the former Tour de France winner, he grew as a, as a leader, doing somewhat well um, in stage 9, I think, where he was really showing that he had the legs to potentially do something as a leader, uh, and, and then his final week is purely, purely brilliant. Pian Cavallo go, uh, getting the win ahead of um, the two riders from Sunweb, Wilke Kellerman and Jayen Lee, one of them obviously, um, well actually the two riders that would finish alongside him on the podium. And uh, I mean, how can we not, how can we not talk about stage 18 between Pinzolo and Laghi di Cancano with Obviously, the Paso de los Stelvio, probably one of the maddest stages that has been in the most recent uh, years at the Giro, probably since Christopher Froome's attack in um, on the Colle del Finestre a couple of seasons ago. Tower Gigenhardt win a Grand Tour. That must have been a, quite a big odd at the start of the season. It certainly would have been, and it was very nice watching him do that as a Brit, I must say. Massive surprise to everyone. We know Garrett Thomas came into the race as the leader. On the stage, he crashed out. Teo lost time early on in the race. I think it was Mount Etna, if I'm not mistaken. Teo lost time. It seems he had no chance of winning the GC. It seemed to focus on stage wins. And it was a beautiful race for Teo, let's be real. Wonderful race. But looking at his calendar this season, he will not be riding the Giro, which is... It's a big call. It's a big call. When you're defending Grand Tour champion, you more often than not see them with the number one bib 
on the start line the following season. It's very rare for me to to see a rider win a Grand Tour and not return there the following year. So he's going to the Tour de France instead. And it's a very big call. I'm not quite sure how Teo fits in with this team. Does he now have a leadership role in Grand Tours, a joint leader, or is he still a super domestique who can act as a leader if the true leaders, such as Thomas, drop out the race? I'm really not sure still. And it's it's a bit sad to say that because he's a Grand Tour winner. He's shown he can do it. I'd love to see him have a crack at the Tour de France, but looking at their start list for the Tour de France right now, we have Richard Carapaz, Garrett Thomas, Richie Ports, just to name a few. And these guys have all shown they can win Grand Tours, win the Tour de France, podium the Tour de France in their own right. So where do you see Teo sitting among those guys on the Tour de France start list? I see Teo as a domestic, sadly. Um, I'm pretty sure he renewed his contract this year with Ineos. Um, so there probably were some discussions about his role in the team. Um, and I think last year was a one-off. Uh, he was fortunate to have Garen Thomas dropping out of the race early on. I think he also um, was fortunate that the start list was not as good as some of the years could have been. It was still an incredible performance. And when you take a look at some of the stats that was uh, that were done sorry, during this zero, the like Jai Hindley, Teo, Wilco and Joel Maida and all of these riders performed very, very well. Um, but I feel like Teo is still not at the level of, you've mentioned, a Carapace. Garen Thomas, I'm not so sure today. Garen Thomas, I'm not so sure. But even someone, I don't know, like Roglic, Tadej Pogacar, I think they're the step above Teo, even though they're both Grand Tour winners. Um, and I do see today Teo as a super domestic for Ineos, or even a co-leader. Uh, but we've seen in the past that Ineos doesn't really do co-leadership on, on the Tour de France. There's one leader and then teammates and even if your teammate is better than the leader then you stick to your role uh, I think Teo will have to stick to his role on the Tour de France such a difficult one really is because this is my point you can't you can't say he's a pure domestique but at the same time it's so difficult to put him above Garrett Thomas Richard Carapaz who has has been so strong in recent years and of course Port has podiumed the Tour de France he said he's coming to the team as a domestique do you put him above Teo in the in the pecking order? I'm not sure. It was a peculiar Giro d'Italia that he won, for sure. We know that. Um, but nonetheless, he beat favourites, Nibali, Fulsang, pretty comfortably in the end and was so strong in the, all the way through the race. So it's really a difficult one. I'd love to see him given a co-leadership role. I think he deserves that at the Tour de France. But... I, I can I can believe that he would re-sign for the team without that promise because he's he's a London lad. He's grown up in London supporting Team Sky. This is his dream team to be riding for this team, um, he said multiple times. So he's happy to be here. He's happy to be winning races. And I'm sure he'll be happy to be riding in support of the likes of Garrett Thomas at the Tour de France as well. You say Teo is a super domestique. You can't see him being the leader for Ineos at the Tour de France. We have two Grand Tour winners here. Garrett Thomas, Richard Carapaz. We have Richie Port as well. Even other riders I could mention. Even Rowan Dennis could be coming to the Tour de France. Who do you see if you had to pick one name on this Ineos Grenadier team that you want to lead the Tour de France this year? The thing is, I I really want to go for a name that you've just mentioned, but right now he's not on the official start list. I do think 
and you can't call me completely crazy. I do think Ron Dennis is probably the perfect rider for this Tour de France. There's so much time trial and we've seen on the Giro that he can climb very well. Now, if I'm being realistic, I'm not going for Dennis as my leader. I think the Tour de France leader for Ineos this year would be someone like Richard Carapaz, um, the, uh, the Ecuadorian. But I think in the pecking order, I'd have Carapaz, then Telgeganart, then Thomas, then Richie Port, then Rondonis. I would have Teo ahead of uh, Geraint, which could be a controversial idea, but I just feel like he offers more to the table right now than Geraint, because Geraint has had a blank 2020, or at least not a year uh, that he will wi- that he will wish to remember. Sorry, um, and I, I'm I'm getting maybe a maybe some Chris Froome vibes that uh that might be the the year where he can't go for a GC anymore. The thing is, for me, you see Garrett Thomas, you see Richard Carapaz, you see Theo Gegenhart. If you ask me if any of those guys could be on the podium of the Tour de France this season, I say yes. Richie Port, I probably say yes as well. Rowan Dennis, we know there's time trial in kilometres. He he could do. After what he showed at the Giro last year, he 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 said he was going to try and follow De Moulin and transfer himself from a pure time trialing role into a GC contending role. It hasn't gone as well for him as he would have liked. And I believe he did say at some point that he'd given up on that and was was just going to focus on time trialing rather than turning himself into a GC leader at a Grand Tour. But from what he showed at the Giro d'Italia last season, he still has it in him to try and go for for a GC. And it is a very interesting point from you that he could well do that. We know there's a lot of time trialing at the Tour this season, which doesn't suit the likes of Richard Carapaz so much. Perhaps suits Garrett Thomas. Um, but there are so many riders in this team. Their team is just too strong for them. Lawrence De Plus, Kwiatkowski looks set to ride the Tour as well. I'm sure they'll be acting as domestiques, um, particularly Kwiatkowski. But there are so many riders in this team that if you say, do they have the potential to top five podium, even win a Grand Tour this season? I'm probably saying yes. It's just an unbelievably strong team, which means it's so difficult for them to to choose where each rider is going to have their have their chance. I think the only thing I can settle with right now when I'm taking a look at this Ineos team is that the sole rider that will not be able to top five the Grand Tour will be Lucro. <laughs> I, I may be saying he can top ten though. Actually, ah, honestly, yes. <laughs> yeah, no, actually, he could. Sir Dave Wellsford, if you're listening, Luke Crawford, GC, trust us, we've got expertise. <laughs> but no, seriously, you've heard it here first, guys. Guillaume believes Rowan Dennis can win this year's Tour de France. Yes. But anyway, moving back to the Giro, we've said Egan Bernal could be leading the team there. There's another rider that I've seen on the prov- uh, provisional start list who I think could have a massive season. And he goes by the name of Pavel Sivakov. I think he's... Is he French or is he Russian now? I'm not sure. Uh, I think... He's still undergoing the uh, nationality change. Right. So I think Sivakov is attempting to officially um, ride for France, transferring from Russia. And he looked so strong last season for a long time as well. He had a fall, I think, on the first stage of the of the tour, unless I'm mistaken, um, which caught a lot of riders out. I know Gilbert withdrew after a crash on that day. Um, and really, he was unable to rediscover his form. He showed at the Dauphiné. But Pavel Sivakov, still a young man, 
He's top 10 the Giro before, um, I think a few seasons ago now. I really believe Sivakov, if not Banal, if Banal hasn't found his legs, Pavel Sivakov could be a great, great challenger for the Giro d'Italia this season. And I think he could be going under the radar a little bit. It is an incredible shout, but I really do rate Pavel Sivakov. I would just like to make a mea culpa for a second. He is French, he has the double nationality, however... He wishes to wait uh, after the Olympic Games to change his sports nationality. So right now he's still riding as a Russian rider. Uh, but from a purely legal standpoint, he is both French and Russian. Uh, moving on from that point, the main issue I think he has by going French is that he therefore cannot win a Grand Tour. Uh, we've seen that that uh, the, the theorem being shown over the past couple of like decades now. Uh, but no, he is, a, he is a very, very decent rider. He did finished nine, uh, ninth sorry, of the 2019 Giro, uh, where he was best young rider for a long time until, uh, until Morgan Lopez happened. He's won the Tour de Pologne, um, he's won the Tour of the Alps, which is often a race uh, that Giro winners, what is people that do very well on Giro um, do well in. Interestingly enough, he won't be on the Tour of the Alps this year, he'll follow the, um, the French route, uh, and then we'll head to the Giro, which is somewhat odd. Uh, usually you'd see uh, the riders going to the Giro, always doing Tirreno. He will be doing Paris-Nice, um, but following um, a Tour de France, which I would classify as disappointing from him. Uh, I mean, we've talked about Ineos being extremely disappointing throughout the entire Tour de France, uh, but I think Sivakov was particularly uh, disappointing, especially with Bernal out of the equation. However, he did have an absolutely horrendous first day uh, between Nice and Nice, crashing, I think, two or three times um losing probably like 15 minutes or something along those lines in the first stage uh but yes if there is an issue with Egan Bernal on the Giro watch out for the Russian because I think he has a very decent shout at doing something not to win it but a podium is well and truly on the table another rider set to ride the Giro d'Italia this year for Ineos is a man who has already already won two stages in the 2021 season at Passage in France. We know who it is. Pippo Ganna is taking cycling by storm. He won, was it four stages at the Giro d'Italia last season? He won the time trials and I think a solo stage as well, a mountain stage. Um, Pippo Ganna is riding the Giro. I expect we'll see him in pink after the opening TT, I think, which is taking place in Turin. Um, but Pippo Ganna is a rider who I see being similar to Rowan Dennis. You've said Rowan Dennis could win the Tour de France. You, you see he, you see him genuinely having a chance there. How about Pippo Ganna? Because he's shown he can climb. He won a climbing stage at last year's Giro and we know how much time Ganna could genuinely take on the on the time trials. This is why I dislike Hideos. Because every time they have a rider, it turns into a GC beast. The man was very average, not to say bad with UAE and then he moved to Sky then became Ineos and he's an absolute mad lad he's won four stages as you mentioned on the Giro uh, he was doing quite well in the mountain classification uh, before just not being able to to carry on with it every time as a time trial you can count on him to win it uh, he was unbelievable in the breakaway yesterday well at the time I was recording this but on stage four of the Etoile de Bessege where he just decided to pull away from the actual group and hold off an entire peloton on a flat stage. I mean, thank you, Filippo. That's very kind of you to like leave some suspense, but he just decided to win the time troll today. Again, 
He's won it easily, probably. I mean, I expected him to have a bigger gap, if I'm going to be honest. Uh, he is the time troll world champion. He destroyed the world championships last year. Uh, 26 seconds on Von Art. He's national champion. Can I see him going for a GC? Um, I don't know. Maybe not in the two in the next two three years, but when he hits thirty, then then yeah, sure, why not? I genuinely believe this man could win a Grand Tour in his career. It's crazy to say, it really is, because I mean he's he's a heavy big guy. Uh, you don't often see them winning Grand Tours these days, but he has shown he can climb fairly well, and his ability on the time trial bike is just like no one else right now. He he won by almost 30 seconds, like you said, at the World Championships. That was over just over 30 kilometers. It was a short World Championship time trial. He won by a mile, and he won the two stages at Bessege. He was in the breakaway all day before that incredible attack. The other breakaway riders just had no chance of following and then you say you were surprised by the small gap, 10 second gap he won by to Benjamin Toma um, in the time trial. But he'd been in the breakaway the whole day before and he'd just done another time trial the day before, unlike all the other riders, and he's still won by 10 seconds. He is unbelievable. And the thing that really is incredible with Ghana is he's riding Paris-Roubaix this year. I think we're finally going to see him ride Paris-Roubaix. For me, he starts the race as one of the main favourites. Absolutely. Absolutely, and I'm glad you, you've brought that up. He said plenty of times he is, I mean, he's a massive fan of the race, and Parouet is his favorite race, uh, which is not something I thought he'd ever say. Uh, I mean, I had no idea he had such an interest in the Cobalt Classic, but he's just so. I mean, you've, you've talked earlier about Lorenz de Plus being a powerhouse, but this man can just drag everyone on every couple sector and just tire people and tire them and tire them and tire them until the end. And that's scary. But yes, of course, Ghana enters Paroubert as a top 10 contender, 100%. And unless I'm mistaken, I don't think he's ridden the race as a professional before. I know he rode Paris-Roubaix Espoirs in 2016. He just happened to win that race as well. So he's he, he does have experience on the cobbles but nothing like the real full edition of Paris-Roubaix. And to me, he's he's definitely a top five favourite. Top, I could even see him winning the race. I really could. He'll, he'll be against Van Aert, as we know, the rest of the, the cobble specialists. And this man has hardly ridden a cobble classic in his professional career. And for him to start the race as a favourite is just unbelievable. And then we're talking about him potentially one day challenging for Grand Tours as well. The man is incredible. For me, he really is one of the, the top talents in cycling right now. He's still just 24 years old. I'm pretty sure he's actually done Paroubet. He's never finished it, though. Uh, he's done it once on the UAE. Uh, I think he was out of the delays, uh, but at this point, we did not know uh, how good he was. And I think he did it in 2019, uh, but he was still an up-and-coming rider at this point for, uh, for Sky. Um, so I'm quite curious to see how he's going to perform now that we all know who he is. Um, and in an EOS team that doesn't really have a couple guy, he could well and truly uh, have found his spot. Basically somewhat, somewhat similar to Stefan Kung actually, uh, that we've covered with Groupam FDG, very decent in the solo effort, who tries to go for the classics. Ghana could be well and truly that guy. 
Yeah, you're right. He definitely he did ride Paris Roubaix a few years ago, and he did ride a few other cobble classics as well, of which he was did pretty much nothing. But he was, I think, 22 in 2019. Um, and if we look at his time trial results, they are absolutely nothing like they are now. So it just shows how much this man has developed, and I really think that does put him in a pole position to challenge for Roubaix this year. A rider we saw ride his first Tour de France last season was Richard Carapaz, and he was set to defend his Giro, which he won in 2019 with Movistar. Signed for Ineos, then was called up to the Tour de France team, a late call-up, I believe, with Froome, Geraint Thomas seemingly not ready um, in the eyes of David Brailsford. Carapaz, though, also didn't seem ready to me to really challenge and be a dual GC option for Ineos in the GC at the Tour. Um, and he showed that because he was incredible at the Vuelta. So close to taking the race at the Vuelta last year ahead of Roglic. In the end, it was just a matter of less than 30 seconds between the guys. Um, and Carapaz, for me, really is one of the best Grand Tour riders right now in the world. Because he gets better as the race goes on, it seems, every single day. To me, over three weeks, in the third week, you can always rely on Richard Carapaz really being one of the strongest riders in the race. And even at the Tour de France, that showed to be the case as well when he rode to the line with uh, Mikhail Kwiatkowski. He could have taken the stage there. They gave it to Quieto. But Richard Carapaz, could he be this team's Tour de France leader this year? You make a very good point about him being a very decent Grand Tour rider uh, because unlike most of the GC guys, he actually gets better as time goes on. He's basically like a, a very good wine. Um, however... There is one thing, um, you've mentioned him finishing second of the Vuelta. He finished 25 seconds, I believe, behind Roglic. Uh, and on the sole time trial, which was flat then, uh, had a very steep part, he lost 45 seconds or 50 seconds on Primoz Roglic. And that basically is where he lost the Vuelta. He will be leader of a team on the Tour de France where there is about 100 kilometers of time trial. I'm not sure he'll be able to recover the loss in time trial on the mountains, especially when you've got people like Tadej Pogacar, who's shown to be a very decent climber and time trialist, and obviously someone like Primoz Roglic. The thing is with Carapaz is I always think of him as a poor time trialist, like you say, but he is slowly getting better in the discipline. He was seventh on the stage, which he did lose that time to Roglic, over 33 kilometers as well. Um, sure, he also lost time to Hugh Carthy, but he did gain on pretty much all the other GC contenders as well. So I know there's a lot of time trialing kilometers. It definitely goes against him for the Tour this year. Perhaps the Giro would have suited him more on paper, but he is so strong in the mountains in the final week. I really believe he can take big time on some of the other Grand Tour contenders there. And if he just can stay in touch on those time trials, I do believe he is getting better in the discipline. Even if we look to the Giro, which he won in 2019, the long time trial to San Marino, 35 kilometers, he was 11th place on the stage. It's not terrible, of course, he's still losing big time to Primoz Roglic, but it's a close battle. I'm not saying he's gonna beat Primoz Roglic at the Tour this year, but I really believe he is, a, he is a top Grand Tour rider for sure, and his time trialing is slowly getting better. I'll have to make a, um, a mea culpa once again. There is not 100, but uh, only 60 kilometers of time trial during the Tour de France. Uh, now, you've mentioned his time trial in uh, San Marino on the Giro. I think, if I'm correct, the entirety of the time trial was basically a long hill. And I think that probably helped him. 
the Tour de France has two time trials, and I mean, I'm I'm seeing the locations. I've, I don't have their profile, but seeing the towns of start and finish, I'm not sure there's any sort of elevation. There might be a speed bump at one time in the road, um, but on purely flat, purely powerhouse um, domain or or terrain, sorry. I think he's gonna lose probably on those 60 kilometers, probably a good minute and a half on someone like Roglic or someone like um, like Pogacar. Do we think he can get one and a half minutes, one minute and a half in the mountain competition? I believe he can. Final week, big mountains, Carapaz will be all out attack and I'm sure he'll be at his best barring any major crashes at that time. And we've seen it before. Roglic does seem to fade in third weeks. It happens all the time. Pogacar, can he keep that same incredible format from 2020? Who knows? Of course, he's still very young and there'll be plenty of other contenders as well. But Carapaz, for me, will just be all out attack in final week. And I certainly wouldn't be betting against him taking big, big time on the majority of the other GC rivals there. All right. Okay, okay, okay. You disagree? Um, I'm not going to say I disagree, but I'm not as confident. I know he can do it, but I feel like I put more faith in someone... Like, there's so much time trial, I put more faith in one of the two Slovenians. Uh, but please, Richard, please surprise me today on this Tour de France. Well, today, I mean, in, in multiple months. But, I mean, we've seen the team he has around him. So even if Carapaz might not be at his best, there might be some other riders that, that are better in time trial and basically as good in mountain or just a tad below him. The two Slovenians, I'm sure, they will take time on Carapaz in the time trials. The two Slovenians don't ride for Ineos. So looking at the Ineos provisional Tour de France team, you don't have Carapaz as, as your leader or do you? Are you picking someone else? Are you, are you going for Rowan Dennis? On, uh, at the start of the tour, I'm going for Carapaz as my leader. And it the changing point is stage five, which is the first time trial. It's a 30-kilometer time trial. Um... It's an individual time trial between Changer and Laval. It's going to be extremely flat, trust me. Uh, so if he loses less than a minute on Roglic, I'd keep him as my leader. If he loses 120, 130, even two minutes that day, I think there has to be a, a change in, in leadership at Ineos at this day. I think it helps that the time trial comes fairly early in the race. I think that goes in Carapaz's favour because if he loses two minutes on that day, he can go all out attack straight away and just try and put the other guys under pressure. And I really think that will help him. Um, like you, I would say of the guys going to the tour, Ineos have to go in with Carapaz as the leader. Geraint Thomas, Theo Gegenhart, Richie Port, even Rowan Dennis, who knows, those guys... They should all try and stay there if they can in the GC, particularly Geraint Thomas and Teo would be my my shout. And then you have three riders who can potentially, you can then focus on later in the race. But for me, Carapaz, of, of, all, the, of all those guys, has the biggest chance of winning the Tour de France this season. Let us know, guys. Who do you think should Ineos be going for to win the Tour de France in 2021? No. We've mentioned the signings at the start of the episode. There is one signing we are, are going to talk about mainly, and that is the Brit uh, Adam Yates from Bury, 28-year-old, and uh, he is finally leaving his brother. Uh, I mean, they've been together 
since 2014, 2015, I believe, uh, at the former Eureka Greenwich, which then became Mitchelton. Um, he joins Ineos and will only take part in one Grand Tour this year, at least that is what we currently know. He will be on the Vuelta. Now, he has had some very decent results uh, on the Grand Tours in the past, uh, but his best result was in 2016 already. That's five years ago where he finished fourth of the Tour de France. Uh, since then, he seems to always have a, a, a little blockage, uh, an issue that never allows him to go any higher than ninth, which has been his best result since 2016 on the Grand Tour, both on this Tour de France and on the, Vuelta, on the Giro, sorry, in 2017, if I recall correctly. Um, following those results, where does Adam Yates fit in the Ineos pecking order? As we've seen, the team is packed in the Grand Tour uh, domain. What do you make of Adam Yates' um, role with, uh, with the Grenadiers? It's a really difficult one because I could find, I think, at least three or four riders who I'd rather have leading a three-week Grand Tour for this team, currently riding for the Ineos Grenadiers. I don't really think he is a pure Grand Tour rider. I see him as more of a classics man, one-week stage races. He almost won to Renault um, in 2019. I remember Roglic overtook him on the final day time trial. Uh, we've just spoken, of course, about Roglic's advantage in the time trial over the likes of Carapaz and Adam Yates. One thing that struck me about Adam Yates is he's never actually won a stage at a Grand Tour, something his brother has done. And I think it's an interesting discussion between Adam Yates and Simon Yates. I remember seeing a few people after Yates was signed suggest that Ineos should have gone for Simon Yates rather than Adam Yates. But to me, I'd have preferred Adam Yates. And I think it's a, a good call of the two riders because Adam gives you something different. I think he, he could win the likes of Liège, Il Lombardia. I really see him being stronger on the one-day classics, the one-week stage races, perhaps as well. Um, and I can see him really hunting stages like his brother has done at Grand Tours as well. I think Yates really needs to get a Grand Tour stage win on his Palmares because he's definitely a rider for me who, who should have, you'd have thought, would have won a Grand Tour stage by now in his career with his pretty consistent results over the years. That's mad. That's genuinely like Kid Koski. Uh, it's the same amount of surprise. Mad. I, I definitely thought he had won a stage in a breakaway because he was 24th of the GC. Uh, but I think I probably was confusing him with his brother. Uh, but that's mad. I'm really interested to see what his race schedule looks like this season. For now, it seems he'll ride UAE, defend his overall win, where he beat Pogaccio last season and the likes of Lutsenko as well. Um, and it seems he will be riding La Vuelta, but we don't really know what else he will be riding could he go to the Giro or the Tour as maybe a helper? Um, I expect we'll see him on the likes of Tirreno um, and plenty of one-week stage races for sure. But where do you see Adam Yates fitting in this team? Because we've said it before, they are so stacked. They almost have too many options for their own good. Well, that's the thing. You've asked the question, Driz, there. Where do I see him fit? I, I don't. Realistically, I do not know how he fits in this team. Um... I mean, sure, he's British, so he could potentially replace the role of a Geraint Thomas, but then we had Gegenhardt, so is he replacing someone like Chris Froome in the genuinely British hierarchy? But, like, racing-wise, I don't really know what he brings to Ineos, which is a team focused solely on Grand Tours. Um, 
I mean, you said you don't know if he's going to make the Giro or the Tour as a helper. I think it's impossible he goes to the Tour. We've talked about their team, which is completely stacked. Right now, the, I think that team on the Giro only has four names. Uh, so Bernal and Sivakov, uh, which we've covered. Ghana, which we've also covered. Uh, and Dan Martinez, who joined them this year on a one-year contract, I think. Um, if Adam Yates goes... Uh, their, their team on every single Grand Tour is going to be horrendously good. They, they can, uh, they're going to have like four guys able to win the Grand Tour on every Grand Tour. Um, but no, I don't know where Adam Yates fits in this team. He can win one week races, sure. He's going to win UAE Tour most likely. Uh, I think he's probably going to do something like either Paranis or Tireno. He could go most likely to something like Divolta Catalunya. Uh, or even um, Itzulia, which could suit him. Uh, then potentially the Ardennes. Um, then, yeah, I think he's going to have a strong month of April. I could see him doing uh, Ar uh, Itzulia, Ardennes, Romandie. But then I don't really know what he's going to do and what Ineos plans to do with him. I think he'll rack up the wins at the likes of Itzulia, Catalonia. He can definitely win one of those stage races, which would be actually one of his biggest wins of his career. On paper, he hasn't actually won a great deal. He won San Sebastian 2015, UAE Tour last year. They're really his only World Tour wins, which is a surprise. And I really think he can add to them. And if he is allowed to go to the Giro, probably not the Tour, but if he is allowed to go to the Giro, he could he could definitely get stage wins there. The question is, does he want to go there helping out someone else in the GC for three weeks? I'm not too sure. Um, but at Lovuelsa, if he can't compete for the GC... I'm not sure he will be. He should definitely be going for stage wins. And I think that's definitely something Adam Yates has in his locker. Other than that, I see him having... I see him probably being the leading rider for Ineos in the Ardennes. Probably over Kwiatkowski as well. Um, and I think if Yates can really focus on that, he could definitely perhaps winning up, win an Ardennes Classic. I think that's probably his best chance at winning something with Ineos on uh, the, the World Tour level. Um, and it would suit his palmarès very well. You've said that his palmarès on World Tour is quite poor, and uh, surprisingly is. Uh, but I think he definitely has the legs to to go for a, for a classic. I hope he can win one of the Ardennes. Uh, but if not, I mean, he can always go to I don't know Montréal. Oh, actually, he can't go to Montréal or Quebec because he'll be on the on the Vuelta. Yeah, now, Yates is a it's a very tough case to uh, to study here. So we'll swing on to the section of the podcast where we take a look at perhaps a lesser known rider that we certainly have our eye on ahead of the 2021 season. So for me, I will be definitely keeping an eye out for Ethan Hayter for the Ineos Grenadiers this season. He is still just 22 years old. He actually um, had his Neo Pro season really in 2020. I think he had a small stint with the team back in 2018. Um, and then 2020, he really had his full first season at a professional world tour level. And he didn't really ride a great deal for the Ineos Grenadiers. But he did show a lot of strength in the races he did ride, particularly in Italy. Uh, winning a few races, actually, in his own right and helping out. Um, I remember him being pretty strong at the World Championships, despite dropping away. He was a strong domestique as well on the hills. And remember, he is still very, very young. And... He's ridden Bessage already in 2021. I think he crashed on the opening day. It, was, it looked like a pretty heavy fall. But then in the final time trial, we saw Ethan Hayter finish in third place, which for me is perhaps his most impressive result so far in his career. Really is because 
I don't think he'd really shown before that he can time trial this well. So Ethan Hayter is a rider for me who we could see go in various different directions. He's clearly very strong. I think he's a very punchy rider, good on the hills. He's got a very good sprint finish as well, um, which he's shown a few times in his career. And clearly he's pretty good at short time trials too. So Ethan Hayter, we've spoken about Adam Yates, perhaps Ethan Hayter could be a rider Ineos could be looking for in the one day classic sooner rather than later. I think he blends in very well in this team uh, because one of the terrain where Ineos have often lacked uh, is the sprinting one. Um, I mean, sure, they had Mark Cavendish, they had Elia Viviani, but I can't really name a very good sprinter that came from or that came to Ineos. And I think Ethan Ader fits that role perfectly. Um, he's won a lot um, in the um, junior under-23 ranks as um, a sprinter. He has won a prologue on the Baby Giro. Uh, but yeah, we also know him, obviously, for his sprinting abilities, uh, where he often performed well, um, whether it's as an under-23 or as um, a professional rider last year for Ineos on the Settimana Copie Bartali. Um, and I'm very curious to see how he performs uh, with this Ineos team. Now, the rider I will be talking about is someone completely unknown that no one has ever heard of. Uh, he's called Thomas Pitcock, right? Uh, he's 21. He was born on the 30th of July 1999, so he's a month and a half older than me, once again. I do not feel old whatsoever when I take a look at this. Um, but he's joining Ineos this year from the team Wiggins, I believe. Um... He's a very decent rider, both on the road and as a cyclocross man. He finished fourth, I believe, of the uh, World Championships of Cyclocross that took place last week, I think, where Mathieu van der Poel won uh, after a horrible start as well. So a very nice recovery drive from um, from Thomas Pitcock, who in 2020 has had one big race, the Baby Giro. He's won it. Um somewhat easily we'll say um because he was two and a half minutes ahead of second place and th i think six minutes ahead of uh third place and then there was someone like Giovanni Aleotti, which we've uh we've covered in a previous podcast with uh Bora Hansgrohe I mean he can win on sprints he can win when the road goes up he's planned to start his season with uh the Tour des Alpes uh and the Ovar I think in about two weeks now, alongside a very decent start list uh, for Ineos, he'll be alongside Garen Thomas, Sivakov, Dennis, Gegenhardt, and Von Barler. So that'll give him a very decent um, taste at a World Tour, I mean, not World Tour, but World Tour competition on the race. Um, and I don't really know what he can win this year. I don't know if he will win this year, uh, but I know he's going to do La Flèche and Liege Baston Liege. And I don't know if someone like Yates doesn't perform. Keep an eye out for Thomas Pickock. The thing is, there's going to be a great deal of pressure on Pickock this year. He's a, a very big name already, still just 21 years old, and that has come from his fantastic junior results, of course. I don't think we'll see a great deal of individual performances this season, but I think we'll see a year of transition, and then perhaps next season we'll really start to see the Tom Pickock we're expecting to see. And I'm expecting to see a very versatile rider who can win almost any race he's in because he's shown he can ride on cobbles. He's shown he can ride on mountains, which are almost polar opposites in the world of cycling. And he said um, that 
he's up for winning a Grand Tour one day. He said he's up for winning Paris-Roubaix one day. So I really see this man being so, so versatile. He can win on almost any terrain. Um, at least that's the rider I see him becoming. Whether we'll see a great deal from him this season, I'm not too sure just yet, but it'll be great to see him in and amongst the World Tour action. And with all of these talks we've done on Ineos, it is time to wrap this podcast up. Before uh, anything, we wanted to thank you for the support on um, the podcast. Uh, for those of you that listen on YouTube, we've hit 100 subscribers, which is extremely, extremely nice. And uh, I mean, the journey has been great and we're very grateful um, that you all enjoy it. And hopefully this will continue in the uh, in the future. Um, but yes, let us know in the comments for those watching on YouTube uh, what you think of Ineos, what you thought of their season in 2020, what you think of their signings and what they're going to do in 2021. Joe, do you have a final word? Ghana to win at Roubaix. All right, we're going ballsy once again. Have a great one, lads. Cheers, guys.